Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Aaron Camaro and Chris Sinzak. Base, how low can you go? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another exciting edition of the Decibel Geek Podcast. I'm your good friend Aaron Camaro. Joining me, as always, Chris Zinzak. And what a what a conglomerate we've got tonight. I mean, we're doing we're doing something that's not easy. Breaking down the top five, and we're calling it our favorite. Yes. We're calling it our favorite bass players of all time. Talking about Hard rock and heavy metal. Yeah, we're going to be specific about that. This is hard rock and metal specific. So that's why Flea didn't make my list for all the Chili Peppers fans that are going to start raising hell over this. Yeah, that's one of them things, you know, because you got to consider, you know, you, you look at like legendary bass players. And, and before we get too far into this, I just want to stop for a second. Sorry. You know, it's been kind of a goofy day for me, and you got your chair squeaking over there and it's everything. It's been a shitty day for me. I know. It's 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 just been one of them days, you know, and I, I just want to take a moment for myself and the Decibel Geek podcast, and, you know, I lost a good friend last night at 9 o'clock, Debbie Holland, and, you know, she's not here tonight. She's in heaven. And if she were here tonight and I asked her, you know, Debbie, what do you think is the greatest bass player of all time? She'd say, I don't know. And she'd look over at Sonny, her husband, and, and she'd say, Sonny, what do you think? And Sonny would say, Dusty Hill from ZZ Top. So tonight, you know, in memory of Debbie, I just want to, you know, dedicate this to her because she's my good friend and I'm always going to miss her. But we're going to go ahead. We're going to talk about the top five bass players, our favorites of all time. And, you know, you talk about bass players, to me, when I put this put this list together, I looked at it in three standpoints of, like, legendary bass players, guys that made the bass famous, you know, and then there's guys that, you know, were masters of their instrument, and then guys that are my personal favorites, and I've got a list here a mile long. You were you were the prepared one this week. It's it's weird. The tables have been turned. Yeah, how you like that? Because typically I'm the one with all the research and stuff, and Aaron's like, all right, let's do this. What are we doing? Yeah, you know, I'm the guy that always says, let's just wing it. Yeah, and well, tonight I'm going to wing it because I've had the week from hell. I've got something I want to ask you. Just something I want to say. Okay. Getty Lee. 
Geddy Lee. We're talking about the best bass players of all time. Our favorites. Is Geddy Lee on your top five? No. Geddy Lee's not on my top five either. I have a lot of respect for the man, though. You know, let me let me just say this. Let me just say twelve things right now. <laughs> twelve I'm, things. Let me say twelve okay. things. See you next week, folks. Okay. No, I'm gonna run them down quick. Twelve things. Twelve people. Okay. John and Twistle, Paul McCartney, Gene Simmons, Roger Waters, Michael Anthony, Getty Lee, Nikki Six, Dusty Hill, Bootsy Collins, baby, John Paul Jones, Phil Lynott. Tom Hamilton, mm-hmm. twelve names associated with bass through and through. Mm-hmm. These guys are the guys that I consider that made the bass popular. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. They they made the instrument. There's other guys out there that are masters of the instrument, but these guys, well, they're guys that did not make my top five, but still deserve to be mentioned for sure. In my opinion. Some of those may or may not have made mine. May or may not. May or may not. Bootsy Collins, number one with you, ain't he? No. Bootsy, baby. I don't think of Bootsy Collins when I think of hard rock and metal. <laughs> I think of D-Light. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, that's for sure. But well, you know what I'm talking about like is Bootsy, like though. legendary bass players. Yeah. You know, you, you can't count out John and Twistle. You know, you sure can't count out Gene Simmons. You know, we're all Kiss fans here. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. Gene Simmons, to not make my top five, and people will think that's strange. He didn't make mine either. No? No. Well, I mean, Gene Simmons brings a lot to the band. Kiss's first three albums, I think that's where you'll find the most Gene Simmons genius, are the first three records, because there was well, quite a bit of adventurousness in his playing back yes. then, because he was, and it, it, this is a case where ignorance is bliss, because he... He wasn't like a schooled bass player. He was more of a guitarist who looked up to Paul McCartney. Right. So he did similar things to McCartney where you would take like a guitar. You take a, it was more of like, let's take the guitar approach to playing bass. But Gene Simmons also mentioned the the thing I'll give him the most credit for is he would think of his bass lines back in those days along the lines of horn lines. He would think of horns playing what he would wind up playing on the bass. Because you got to remember the kind of music that these guys look to. Yeah. You know, you look at uh, even Peter Chris when we're, you know, talking about drums, Mm -hmm. you know, and you talk about like uh, jazz beats. Yeah, swing big band and stuff. Yeah, you know, and look at a band like Aerosmith. You know, Mm -hmm. every one of their songs can almost translate to a swing beat. Yeah. Because that's the kind of music back in that time Mm -hmm. that they had to look to as blueprints for what they were trying well, to do. And also with Gene, um, he borrowed a lot from Motown because you had like James Jamerson and that, that era of, right. of Motown with a lot of swinging, uh, you know, rhythmic bass lines that didn't necessarily, they didn't really lock in with the drummer. They were kind of more out there and they would just accent stuff back and forth with the guitar players. Right. And if we were talking about the best bass players of all time, you'd have to include a guy like James Jamerson. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But... But We're talking about, about our favorites. Yeah, yeah this and, is the Decibel Geek the podcast. Stuff, these are the guys that give us a charge and like yes. the stuff that gave us the, the memorable stuff that we want to talk about tonight. Indeed. So I guess we'll go ahead and kick things off. Um, we already dropped a whole lot of names. Yeah, we already have. But, you know, we'll put them in order and you'll get to hear some tunes while we do this. And uh, most of which will be done during post-production because we remember how great the live one we did went. So, uh, Aaron, why don't you go ahead and pick your let's let's hear your number five. Number five. All right, if we're going to start out at number five, 
you know, and it, this is a list of favorites, you know, so yeah. there's, and it's tough with me because, you know, we always try to break it down to five, you know, and it's so difficult, <clears throat> it's so difficult to do five, you know, out of so many, but if I'm going to start with number five, my number five pick for my favorite bass player is Lemmy. You can't go wrong with Lemmy, and I'd be wrong not to pick Lemmy. And a lot of people would think I'd have picked Gene Simmons, but Gene Simmons didn't make my top five. Lemmy does. So, you, so Motorhead's a big is a big deal to you? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Motorhead. How many metal fans out there? I don't care if you're fans of Poison. I don't care if you're fans of you know Death or you know <laughs> these these deep dark metal bands or the lightest poppiest warrant there is. You know, everybody's got to love that. You know because. It's metal through and through. It, it goes both ways. It's it's Motorhead. I mean, I can't... There's hardly any bad Motorhead song. You know, and a lot of them... And a lot of people say, like, ACDC, their songs all sound alike. And a lot of that goes with Motorhead, too. But Motorhead is awesome. You can't go wrong with Motorhead. All their songs are good. You, Lemmy. Lemmy's number five. I think a lot of his bass playing power comes from the mole. It could. It doesn't it matter where it comes from. It's there. It, well, there's plenty of room to store it up. <laughs> it's like a hump on a camel. Yeah. He stores the metal in his mole. Right. <laughs> I so... Stand back. She's going to blow. Oh, God. There goes the meters. All right. Adjust your eardrums, folks. I tried to look away while I did it. I know. I was getting all excited. Yeah. Oh, boy. It's going to be fun to hard limit this episode. Okay. Um, These people don't want to hear the technicalities. I seriously would love to go out to L.A. and go to the Rainbow and run into him. Cause I love Because he pretty much lives there. So, yeah, why so, not? So, yeah. He's Lemmy. He can live wherever he wants and to. And he usually plays pinball. He can live in my house if he wants to. He just show up, knock on my door, and be like, I'm Lemmy. I'm here to live. I don't think Come wife, on in. You think sure your wife would be cool with that? <laughs> She'd have to be cool with it. She'd have to be cool with that. I'd be like, baby, you know, the, the, the pact we made on the day we married... There's like a small room for contract that you didn't read that involves Lemmy. Honey, I asked the man what he wanted for breakfast, and he said, the only thing I need is the Ace of Spades. <laughs> and a little Jack Daniels. And a little Jack Yeah, a little. Lemmy, number five. Lemmy, That's number my five. pick. Pretty good pick for a number five. Heck yeah. I'll give you credit there. He didn't make my list, Lemmy. but I give the guy respect. Better. Um, you better. All right, we're going to go to... Everybody better. We're going to go to my number five, and my list is filled with a lot of old guys. But most of them are still, most of them are still productive. Um, this is the one who's put out the probably the newest material that I've heard of. This is a bass player for a band that goes all the way back to 1981, from New York, has done lots and lots of Kiss covers. This is a bass player by the name of Frank Bello. Heck yeah! From Anthrax. Frank Bellow. Frank Bellow. I don't argue with that at all. I don't argue with that at all. As a matter of fact, when I put together my top five, Frank Bellow was one of the ones that were floating in between somewhere. And if it weren't for a guy like Lemmy, you know, Frank Bellow could have easily made my top five. And if this were a top ten, Frank Bellow would definitely be in there, and he'd be up close. He's got some pretty damn memorable bass lines. Absolutely. Like and, like, one, one that's very memorable, and, yeah, it's a cover from a Joe Jackson song, has got the time. 
That's awesome. A, I love that song. And you know, and it's it's a Joe Jackson song, but it, it the bass the bass tone that Bello brought on that is just really raw and powerful. And then you know you've got his work with them all through the uh, when they did the rap metal thing and started that out. You know, very just really you know, if, solid bass. If player. anybody knows anything about rap music, you know, it's how important the bass is yeah. to that. You know, and so when you're talking about what they were doing back then when they were experimenting with the rap metal thing, mm -hmm. the bass guitar becomes very important in that equation. Mm -hmm. Frank Bello brings it. You know, I don't care if it's 2012. I don't care if it's back in the day. You know, Frank Bello is the man. And, and absolutely, you know. I had a tough time coning him out. I agree with you 100%. Yeah, Frank Bellow is the man when it comes to the bass guitar. He's kind of underrated, cause, and Anthrax has kind of been the underdog for years. You know? Right. You've got Metallica and Megadeth, and everybody looks to them and Slayer for the as the top thing, but you know you can't have a big four without Anthrax as far as I'm concerned. I think Anthrax Absolutely. is one of the most underrated metal bands of all time. I which agree. They're, just, they're finally starting to get some of their just due, because that worship music album that they put out this past year is actually getting them some of the Killer. some of the critical success that they should have had all this time. Well, let me give them a little more. You know, the, if, uh, if, you, if you get out there and you don't know nothing about Anthrax, pick that one. Pick up, up their brand new one. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. It's killer through and through. And they're getting ready to. I think the the uh, tour starts this coming week. Yeah, they're they're getting ready to kick off a tour with. Uh, testament and death angel nice so, are they coming to nashville no what the hell i think it's funny what the hell that. come on guys they're coming to atlanta and louisville and it's funny because I, I saw the the dates posted on their facebook page and they never play here and i even got so fed up that i put a comment on there it's like i was like do you guys have a do not play nashville rule or something something maybe maybe he had like the same deal with uh rust wharf in san antonio here in nashville or something oh uh, yeah, probably. I don't know. He got dealt with some something more bad happened now. here at one time. But yeah, Frank Bello, he's my number five. And uh, nice pick. I agree. Pick I up agree. Worship he should have been there. Great record. Pick up all of Anthrax's stuff. It's really good. Uh, We've come for you all's awesome too. So uh, let's go we ahead. We sit here and, uh, all day and list off the great Anthrax songs that's true. and all albums. Good. Everything's good. But we got to go listen to Anthrax. What's wrong right? with you? Listen to Anthrax. <laughs> all right, time for your number five. Number four. Number four. We're up to number four. Yeah. Number four. That was a good pick. I like Frank Bellow. Oh, thanks. My number four, Steve Harris, Iron Maiden. You got to love it. There, Steve Harris is... He's, he's one of them guys, you know, like I said, I put together the list of my favorites. The guys that were just masters of the instrument and guys that made the instrument. And Steve Harris, I think, falls into all three categories. Where this guy, you know, and, and people give him a hard time because it's the dun 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 But then there's a whole lot of, here, well, you want to talk about Steve Harris? Let me give you five words right now. Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. You listen to that song, listen to his bass playing on that. It's it's phenomenal. You cannot deny Steve Harris. And I have a hard time not putting him higher on this list, as a matter of fact. Talented bass player, but I will say the galloping bass lines get old to me. It's, I don't know. It's but it's like I said before, it's like, dun 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 But then it's like, dun 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 You know, you can't deny that galloping, you know, that... It's that's metal, you know. It's it's got that that it's got that build to it, you know. Yeah. You get that galloping feel. You listen to that, your heart starts beating with it, you know. And you, you feel it, and it's you know. It's you can't. Steve Harris is awesome. Iron Maiden, the bass playing 
is so much to that band. You know, you got Bruce Dickinson with his amazing vocals. You got awesome guitar playing, great drums. But Steve Harris is so much of that band. You know, he doesn't really get a lot of credit for being Although, so much a part of that band. He, but He's kind of the main representative for them, though, because typically in interviews you'll have, that's who they send out. And that's who they should send yeah. out. You know, if, if somebody's going to answer questions about the music, who better than Steve Harris? Right. Because he's the man when it comes to putting it all together. He's been there from the beginning, so. If he's getting credit, he deserves it. If he's not, he deserves more. Steve Harris, number four in my pick. All right, we're up to number four for you, Chris. What do you got? Okay. This is where it starts getting tricky because Frank Bellow I like, but he was easy to put at five because the next four, I could interchange them easily between each other. I want to do number four, I'm going to do because this guy is a prolific player and he's been in a band that deserves way more attention than they get and have should have been much bigger than they've been. And they're, they've been around for literally nearly 40 years now and they are still plugging away today. Actually, about to go on a West Coast tour. Talking about the skinny black dude from King's X that plays the 12-string bass, nice. Doug Pinnock. Yeah. King's X is a fucking awesome rock band. They really are. They are. They're just, they're amazing. And Doug Pinnock is an amazing musician, an amazing singer. And this is a guy that can take a 12-string bass and just... Just, it'll feel like your ribs are going to break when you see them when you play this thing live. Have you seen King's X live? Never have. You owe it to yourself to see King's X live. Yeah. All, of, all of you listening need to see King's X live. Because it's a, I mean, I wasn't even a, a very big fan until probably about 2003 or four, when a, a friend of mine was a huge fan and he was like, you have to go see him. He's like, anyone who has ever picked up a guitar needs to go see him. Not only with Doug, but with Ty Tabor, who's an amazing right. guitarist. And, I mean, it was almost like a fucking religious experience. Because the people that go to their shows really love them. I, I can imagine, and you know, because King's yeah, X ain't one of those bands that made billion, uh, no. billions of dollars. Like, and most people know, they know, you know, Dogman or, uh, you know, over, o- over My Head or Black Flag. Yeah. But they Black had, you know, they've too. had some tastes of success, but... They never got near the just do they deserve, but you go see them, and I mean that the crowd is into it. And it, yeah, it'll be in a club because they're not playing right. even theaters at this point, unless it's in. But in Europe, they'll go over there and play festivals to huge crowds. When are they coming to Nashville? Well, they're doing a West Coast tour right now. The last time they were here was I think two thousand eight or nine. Come on, guys! When Ogretones came out, which we was actually sat through. Here in <clears throat> Let me say this: we sat here in Nashville, Nashville through two thousand eleven. And had barely any good shows. You know, yeah. 2012 has got to shape up to be something good. I think Justin Bieber came last year, didn't he? Only you would know that. <laughs> <laughs> it's out there now, isn't it? Jeez, man. Yeah. I'm talking about the best bass players and you dropped the uh, Bieber on yeah. us. What's wrong with you? Well, see, I can now What's I can now tonight? I can tag Justin Bieber's name to this episode and it'll get more downloads. 13-year-olds want to download the show. Yeah, but once. anyway, They'll download <laughs> it once. once. <laughs> Justin Bieber's with Anthrax? Way to go. Nice. Um, anyway, so, uh, yeah. King, nice pick. Doug, I like Doug that. Pinnock's my I number respect five. that for yeah, sure. Yeah, you got some great, you know, check out King's X if you haven't. Uh, Ogre Tones is, I think, I believe their newest album. I could be wrong on that. But Gretchen Goes to Nebraska, great record. You know, the, the, the Faith, Hope, and Love's awesome record. 
check out King's X, Doug Pinnock. And, you know, uh, Doug's one that he didn't make my top five, but I'd have to put him right up there. He's kind of like, kind of like right up there. out of left field pick. You know? I'm proud of you for picking him. Oh, thank you. Nice. Very All nice. Right. Well, let's take a quick break because we've done two picks and we got to put our commercials in. It's a lot of work. Laugh. It's not as easy as it sounds. Yeah, it is. But, <laughs> but, uh, all right, we'll be back in just a minute with number three. three. Oh, oh, yes. Proud to be one of David Lee Roth's favorite podcasts. Yeah, yeah. He's always running to get the next episode. Oh, God. Oh, God, I'm running. Oh, yeah. He wouldn't lie to you. God damn it, baby. No, I ain't lying to you. I'm only going to tell you one time. Ah, yeah. So be like Diamond Dave and listen to the Decibel Geek podcast. Ah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Woo! Woo! Ah, yeah. Ah, yeah. Broadcasting live from Lenny's Mole, you're listening to the Decibel Geek podcast. All right, we're back to the Decibel Geek Podcast, counting down our favorite bass players of all time, talking hard rock and heavy metal. Chris, you're up. Number three, what's your choice? Number three. All right, number three for me. This is not one you would normally expect, um, probably because the front man for the band was such such an iconic figure. And when everyone thinks of this band, they think of the front man, and then that's closely followed, secondly, by... The guitarist. This band is still around, sort of, only without the front man because the front man's dead. And Aaron that'll is, do it. Aaron's coming back with another beer. So, um, John Deacon from Queen. Remember a band called Queen? Yeah, I remember Queen. Really? Oh, listen to that response. Really? You put the guy, I mean, he, the guy okay, is, all right. He's responsible for he's, Vanilla he's, Ice's whole career. Right, okay. I could understand if you were Vanilla Ice, you'd put him this high in the Oh, list. you've got... You've but got, you're not Vanilla Ice. Thank God for that. But, I mean, <laughs> no, John Deacon, man. Listen to the Queen catalog, man. Listen to Stone Cold Crazy. Listen to uh, Seven Seas of Rye. No wonder I couldn't guess it. You were talking about Queen. You don't like Queen at all? This is the, I mean, I do. Wow. I mean, I, I I do. I like I like Brian May. Brian May is an awesome guitar player and everything. I'm just not, and I never have really been into Queen. Wow. That's not a big Queen fan. Man, John Deacon. He's not. He's not even with the band anymore. Which, which and this is another reason that I respect the man. Because when Freddie died, he knew enough. He was smart enough to know that I'm getting out. I'm not gonna do this with another guy. Because I mean. Yeah, I can deal with Kiss. Has he done anything since then? I don't know. Is he just like a recluse? He's now kind of a something? recluse now. I don't think he even really gets out and plays much anymore. But um, oh man, with Queen, I'm gonna have to play some stuff on the show here just to convert you. Man, I don't know. I the, I was all down with your first two picks, man. That sounded great, but I'm just not a big Queen fan. You got We gotta diversify your tastes. Well, that's my number three. <laughs> let's, go, <laughs> let's go back to Aaron for his number three. Now that we've totally dumped your number three pick in the toilet, you know, and I'm sorry about that. I didn't mean to come off that way. I don't know nothing, how you. But it's just, well, I don't know how you picked Lemmy for this, but that's my opinion. Let, you, you're honestly going to tell me you're. I, 
this is where you know we come in disagreement on the Decibel Geek podcast sometimes. How are you going to pick the bass player from Queen over my number five pick of Lemmy, I or think... the number four pick of Steve Harris, or even my number three pick of the man who made Guns N' Roses famous, awesome bass player? I mean, maybe he didn't make him famous, but he had a good hand at it. <laughs> Duff McKagan, number three, without a doubt. You gotta love Duff McKagan. He had so much to do with the rise of Guns N' Roses, you know? The bass lines are just all kick-ass. I mean, there's not a bad bass. If, if you're a bass player or a fan of bass music and you take Appetite for Destruction and erase everything but the bass line, it's still gonna be a killer album. You know, and even the stuff they did after that. And on top of that, what Duff McKagan adds to the band with his with his co-vocals, background vocals, you know, songwriting. Duff McKagan is the man. I mean, I got tons of respect for Duff McKagan. I'd rank him higher if I could. I'd rank him higher if I could. You put Duff McKagan ahead of Steve Harris. I put Duff McKagan ahead of Steve Harris. Lemmy, I put him ahead of a lot of guys. Wow. You know, there's a lot of guys that should be on this list. But I, I really dig Duff McKagan. I guess it's all because we're both torn on how to quantify our picks on this. Right, you know, and are there, we, there is no it? really yeah. rhyme or reason Which for is it. Why it's just, my pick... here, here's Aaron and Chris telling you what's up, you know, and this, well, is, what this is what you should know, except for that queen thing. How are you going to, I wouldn't even, yeah, no. Duff McKagan, way over the guy John Deacon queen. can play rings around Duff I've McKagan. got guys that would make my top 15 <laughs> that would, would make it over that. I mean, we're going to save the rest we'll of the list We'll have to ad- agree to disagree that on okay. that one. We'll have to. <laughs> Duff McKagan. That's you got to love it. I mean, how many awesome like bass Duff. lines has, has that guy produced over the years? Every single Guns N' Roses song. You know, there's not a single Guns N' Roses song that's got a bad bass line. Not a bad one, but I, I don't know that I automatically think of amazing bass lines when I think of Guns N' Roses. Really? No, I think, think of, about I think the, of what, what about the song? Yeah, you think about Slash, but... You know, think about the song. Even we use it here on the Decibel Geek podcast. Oh, that's so a great. Get, it's a great the, bass line. You know, I'm not saying they're beautiful, bad. Beautiful, beautiful. But the, and the guy is so freaking talented. But a lot of people don't realize these guys from this band have gone on and do, done a lot of solo stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to a lot of Duff McKagan's solo stuff, you'll realize what a huge part of that band he really was, mm-hmm. and how talented this guy is. I mean, uh, his first solo album, Believe in Me, had a lot of different stuff on there. It had Sebastian Bach on there. Uh, Lenny Kravitz had some rap music going on on there. Really experimented with yeah. the whole spectrum on that CD. But yeah. really, you know, for whatever you like, there you will you will dig that CD. Yeah. You know, there's a little something for everybody on there, mm-hmm. and it's all really good, even for a metalhead like myself. And he actually he just put out a book like recently about his crazier days. And is, Duff, it, yeah, is he, it entitled Duff McKagan, How I Became Number Three on Aaron Camaro's List on the Decibel Geek Podcast? I don't think so. No, that would be a great no. title, though, huh? But, uh, I like that. It's got a good ring to it. <laughs> Duff, McKagan, <laughs> Duff McKagan deserves uh, props just for surviving this long with as much as that guy used to party. Absolutely. Actually, part of the... I read an excerpt from his book. The guy, like he, I think he said his, like he made his pancreas explode or something from alcohol it's ridiculous but anyway wow so yeah but then he, and he's McKagan. still alive and he's still kicking he's ass still kicking duff ass. mckagan number three so that's for me, number baby. three for you all right absolutely so. all right so we're gonna go to number two now number two if you want to go along the lines of technical bass players this is 
and he's also on my favorite because he's been a part of some great music that I've listened to, especially growing up. This guy was, he's, I mean, he's right up there with some of the greatest guitarists of the 80s because of the dexterity of the stuff that he used to do. This guy played for David Lee Roth, and he played in Mr. Big. And I'm talking about Billy Sheehan. This guy, for those of you that may listen to this show that never, some, we have some younger listeners that may have listened, listened, not listened to the older stuff or got into the deeper cuts. Because like everybody's like, oh yeah, Van Halen, like them with Roth, but they don't dig into, you know, uh, David Lee Roth's, you know, the Eat em and Smile record or sure. any of that stuff. Or they don't dig into Mr. Big because they've, oh, they've only mm-hmm. heard it's that lame ballad they got big on. Look, you know, get up the, the Lean Into It album or, um, you know, listen to the hell the intro to Addicted to That Rush. Talking about with, Billy Sheehan. Yeah, with Billy Sheehan yeah. and Paul Gilbert together doing that finger tapping thing at the beginning of the song. I mean, the guy is amazing. And he, you know, he even goes back for, you know, years ago to, you know, the great band Talis that was very underrated also. I got to agree with you there, 100%. Yeah. I mean, Billy Sheehan, if, you, if you're talking to me about if this was a list of the best bass players, he, yeah, he, you know, he if you're talking on. about, you know, how good. If you put a bass guitar in somebody's hand, mm-hmm. how good they can play it. Yeah. You know, and you're talking about guys like Les Claypool, mm-hmm. talking about guys like Flea. Right. If you're talking about, you know, and those guys would probably have to make the top five. If oh, you're, sure. If you're talking about ability. the yeah. top five guys that are good at playing a bass guitar. Right. But if, if that's the list, then Billy Sheen is number one. He's up there. He's Billy Sheehan's number one. If you're talking about being proficient mm-hmm. in playing a bass guitar, yeah, he's amazing. Then Billy Sheehan's number one without and a doubt. And that would that was a conflict with yeah. me on this list too. But why I put him on the list also is because there's some also some real sparks of brilliance for creativity where yeah. with, with real melody too. It's Big not ju- it's not just all like a math problem on a fretboard. Right. It's like, like that guy's got feel. Yeah, because like listen, like great example. Which it may not be the greatest hard rock song of all time, but the Mr. Big song of you're the song uh, Green Ten and Sixties Mind. Yes. The bass thing on that is very Amazing. simple, but he's playing but so these good. chords like a guitar, and it's got a lot of feel, and there's a lot yes. of integrity to his playing. In I love that song. So that's even always their, been one of my favorite yeah, Mr. Big. So songs. like on their even on their softer stuff, he's doing really tasteful stuff. He's not just saying I'm just going to lay back and play root notes. Well, and here's the thing, too, you know, and I know a lot of our fans are probably fans of that metal show on VH1 Classic, and, you know, they've always got the guitar players sitting in, they got like Mm -hmm. a session guitar player sitting in, and they had him on bass, and just wailed, you know, it was like, the wife was watching it with me, and, you know, she half pays attention to it, and I'm into it, and I was like, whoa, I like rewound it, you know, I was like, elbow her, you gotta see this, you gotta see this, look at this fucker playing this bass guitar. (laughs) You know, and just, you know, and the stuff he was doing, if we're talking about, like, honestly, if you're going to put a bass guitar in somebody's hand and say, out of everybody on earth, who mm. can play this the best? Right. It's Billy Sheehan. No <laughs> doubt about it. And also, no doubt about and it. through the 80s, you know, the guy was in what I considered like a dream team of a band with David Lee Roth. Yes. You had Roth running. You had Billy Sheehan. That's you a had killer Steve album. Vai killer album. On guitar, and then Greg Bissonette playing the drums. I you mean, know what? And a lot of record. a lot of Van Halen fans might hiss at this, but I'd put Eat 'Em and Smile up there 
with any Van Halen album. Absolutely. Any Van Halen Absolutely. album. Absolutely. And it, it proved that Dave could do it on his own. Absolutely. Now, he had the power. He had but, the power behind him, right. you know, on that well, one. Well, Vi, Vi was a, he was a worthy rival to what Eddie was doing at the time. Absolutely. He was like the new age Eddie at that he time. He was. You know, Dave was smart. You know, whoever was behind the Dave movement at that time yeah. was brilliant because they capitalized on MTV. Yeah. They said, okay, if, if David Lee Roth is going to split from Van Halen, and this is a big deal, mm-hmm. then David Lee Roth has to come back strong. Right. And he's got to come back stronger than Van Halen. Mm-hmm. So we need to go out and get the best of the best. Mm-hmm. So who do you get? On drums, drums you get Greg Bissonette. Mm-hmm. You know, on lead guitar, you get Steve Vai. And on bass guitar, when you're talking about the best of the best, yeah. you got Billy Sheehan. And they wrote some great tracks. And, awesome album. And it's funny because on my discussion with Mitch last week on the uh, the Van Halen-themed episode, he was mentioning how it's a dream for him to see Van Halen now that Ross back re-record Yankee Rose because he thinks it's such a great song. It deserves to it be is. in Van Halen's catalog. Absolutely. It's like it's the greatest Van Halen song that they never did. Right. Because it mean, sounds and, just like one of the But you know tunes. what? That's not the only song off that no, album a, that Van Halen could great. be playing. That would be awesome. So, so yeah. And also, Billy Sheehan in that group was as worthy of a showman as Roth. I mean, and also in Mr. Big, the guy was a complete monster on stage. Absolutely. And he was just all over the place. You know, he's a superstar in Japan. Oh, yeah. Mr. Big is like, they're like gods over there. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. Makes makes me want to move to Japan sometime. Okay, so we're up to number two. Aaron, what do you got? Number two. All right, number two, and I thought about this. Like I said, I tried to break it down and make it fair that where it's a, a fine blend of legends, guys that are of just amazing bass players, and my personal favorites, and this guy, again, falls into all three. Number two, the guy's been at, in at least three of my favorite bands. I'm talking about Robert Trujillo. You know, Suicidal Tendencies was a good band. No, they weren't amazing until Robert joined the band. Then they became amazing. They were good before. But when, yeah, when he showed up, I mean, Suicidal Tendencies is awesome. And the the side stuff with the infectious Infectious grooves. grooves. You want to talk about bass playing. If you're a bass player and you want to check out some good bass music, I mean, I see. I hear like the gangster guys in their junked out cars rolling down the street, like blowing the bass, so the whole car's rattling. Mm. And I want to like stop and like knock on their window and be like, "You want to really play something that's gonna knock this car apart? <laughs> play some infectious grooves yeah. with Robert Trujillo playing, mm-hmm. you know." And then Metallica. You know, when Metallica had the chance, you know, and you want to talk about the best players around, best bass players. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm Metallica. I can have any bass player that I want. Mm-hmm. Who do I choose? Robert Trujillo. That was a wise choice. You know, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I mean, that gave a lot of credibility to a band that really needed it at that point. <laughs> really? Because good. they had gotten burned on the fact that, you know, they'd gotten rid of Jason Newstead, who everybody likes, you know, and Jason Newstead didn't make my top five, but you got to put him right up there. Yeah. Awesome bass player, you know, but when it comes time when it's time to choose who's your bass player if it's if you play nfl you know fantasy football imagine if there's such thing as nfl you know rock and roll fantasy draft kind of a thing you know and you came up and you wanted to draft a ba- draft a bass player fantasy today bass player. 
Yeah, fantasy bass player. Today, right now, at this moment, you're putting together a band and you want to make billions of dollars. Who are you going to choose? Getty Lee, 1978. I'm, well, you can't go back in time. I'm talking about right now. You know, I make the same choice <laughs> as Metallica did, and they chose correctly. Yeah, well, as far as anyone that was out there on the market, they, they picked the right guy. Unfortunately, they also cho chose Lou Reed over... Probably oh, whatever. I could I could just imagine poor Robert Trujillo going to the studio going What the this fuck is this? This is a bad idea. This is a bad idea. I feel I feel yeah. like Eric Carr in the music for the elder era. Yeah. Something's not right here. Oh. I don't like this. We just got done kicking ass. What's going on? But yeah. what else? I mean, and Death Magnetic, the best well, album they came out with in, in the years. best album they came out with in years. And Why? He was a part of that. A big part of it. Whatever they do next, if, if they're going to hopefully go back in that vein, they need to really open it up and let him write. Yes. And let him contribute because yes. that, that's good. I want to just forget about the Lou Reed thing. All right, so we're going to do my number two now. Number two. Speaking of Metallica, Jason Newstead didn't make my list either. Yeah. But Cliff Burton sure did. I bet. Good choice. This, this guy blew me away when I was about 12 years old and someone brought me the... Kill 'em all record. Yes. And they said, "Listen to this." And then I heard, "Bass solo, take one." Yeah. And then it was like five full minutes of my mind being blown. Absolutely. Bass solo, take one. And then you know, on top of that, just all of the amazing work that he did on those records. Kill 'em all. Everyone, you know, goes to master as like the pinnacle, and maybe it is, but for, maybe it's because I heard Kill 'em all first. Kill 'em all always be my. It's favorite. It's the raw punkness to the of, of the material, and just it's just pure on aggression. It'll always be my favorite Metallica album. You too. Absolutely. That record is just. I don't. I think that's the greatest thing they ever put out. And it, I it, agree. It, it's not as technically tight, and the songs aren't super long like they are on no. Master or on Ride the Lightning. But they were perfect. And I love those albums too. Don't get me wrong. But Cliff Burton was just such a. He was such a huge force. And I. I. I shudder to think what Cliff Burton would have thought of some of the things that they've done over the last Good fifteen Lord. years. Because you got to remember, back in the day, it was like you know Cliff Burton was the one that was hardcore. You know, and he oh was yeah, like, we'll never put out a video. Right. You know, of course, eventually, you know, oh, you have to. You have to. You know, but what would what would Cliff Burton say to Lou Reed today? <laughs> you get away from my band. You get away and don't ever come back. <laughs> so yeah, he's a uh, Cliff Burton. Blew my mind back on Kill 'Em All. Did amazing stuff on Ride the Lightning and on yes. Master. And you can't deny that he was only with us for a short time, but he sure left quite a bit of work yeah, to, uh, to enjoy. He left a hell of a mark. Yeah, a great legacy to, to do. And, you know, Jason Newstead did a serviceable job keeping that up, but, I, I you know, I don't think James and Lars let him stretch enough. No, I but, agree uh, with that, too. But, uh, yeah, especially not letting his bass parts be even be on and Justice for All. Weak. So that was lame. But anyway, yeah. Cliff Burton, definitely my number two. And why don't we uh, why don't we take another quick break before we get here and we'll do our number ones. Black Sabbath, Volume 4. A new album of dark reality.
Black Sabbath, Volume 4. When sadness fills my day, it's time to turn away and let tomorrow's dreams become reality to me. Black Sabbath, Volume 4. A new chapter in darkness on Warner Brothers Records and Tapes. Hi, I'm Steven Tyler, and when I'm not selling out, acting stupid, and falling on my face, I'm listening to the Decibel Geek Podcast. Alright, welcome back to Decibel Geek Podcast. Top five bass players, favorite bass players. Favorites. Favorite, just the favorites. I guess we'll go ahead and do a recap of the ones we've already done. Okay, let me go first. I've got, I've got number five, I've got Lemmy from Motorhead. Number four, I've got Steve Harris from Iron Maiden. Number three, Duff McKagan from Guns N' Roses. And number two, I've got Robert Trujillo. You like how I say that? Yeah. Trujillo. <laughs> from uh, all those great bands that he's been in. And we're coming up on number one. All right, let's recap your top five. I had Frank Bello. Uh-huh. Then I had Doug Pinnock. Great pick. Then I had John Deacon. Right, from Queen. From your favorite band. Yeah. Maybe, then I had maybe. Billy Sheehan. Billy Sheehan. Of course, he belongs on there. And Cliff Burton. Wait a minute. What? One, two. That's five. Huh? So you, yo, you, you've, you've snuck an extra one in there. What the fuck? You have snuck an extra pick. So you still have a number one pick, right? Yeah. So you've snuck an extra one in there. Stupid! You're so stupid! Oh, shit. Okay, all right, fair no, enough. I, Wait honestly, a minute, no. Com- completely. You've overpicked. <laughs> so you know what that means. I get to pick an extra one. Okay, as long as I can still say my number one. Okay, so I, we, now this we've is each, top six. We've, we've each still got our number one. So this, has become, this just because became a top you, six show. Because you've tried to cheat. And I add didn't a, try to cheat. S- sneak an extra one in there. Add no, an extra one. I didn't try to cheat. I'm just stupid. Okay. All right, that's cool. <laughs> you know, that makes it tricky for me because if I'm looking at my list, you know, and there's a lot of great play- bass players on my list, but... Uh, I'm going to have to change the artwork now. I'm going to have to, like, X out the five and <laughs> the put a top, six in. Yeah, the top five. I mean, six. six. All right. I'm going to go ahead and say... Boy, this is tough. I got it down between two. I'm going to go ahead and say Peter Steele from Typo Negative. Really? As my sneak-in pick. Because you got to think about Typo Negative, that band was all deep, dark bass lines. Mm-hmm. And you know, Peter Steele, <laughs> you know, rest his soul, you know, he was the man in that band, you know, he basically did everything. I mean, there was, you talk about, you know, and my mother, uh, the other side of me says, you know, D.D. Verney from Overkill. That's a good pick. You know, because I've seen, and you talked earlier about King's X and yep. about Doug, another you know, about player. seeing them live, mm-hmm. you know, and yep. just seeing them tear apart a bass guitar live, you know, and watching them just rip it apart in front of your eyes. Dee Dee Verney from Overkill, and Overkill's a band that you talk about the big four, you know, in thrash metal bands, you know, I, I got to almost argue that Overkill belongs in there, you know? I mean, Overkill is thrash metal to the core. And Dee Dee Verney is just an amazing bass player, and I've seen him live, and he just ripped that bass guitar apart. 
So, so wait, you're sneaking in two picks now? Yeah, so I, you you I snuck in one, so I'm sneaking in, in two. So let's let's just forget all that. Play and let's go to pure number ignorance. one. You ready to go to number one now? <laughs> Is it the top all six, right, five, know, seven? I don't know. I know you picked chips enough, so you know. Let's go ahead and get on with it. You know, and when I like I said, I put this list together, and you before we get to number one, I want to mention a couple of names. You know, of guys, you know, I talked about the legendary guys, the guys like John Entwistle, you know, and he influenced so many bass players he was, with his awesomeness. It was hard not to put him on my list. Yeah, you know, yeah. if you're talking about, you know, best bass players, you know, like we said, John, you know, Billy Sheehan, but if you're talking about, you know, influential, you know, guys that have like laid the pathway for other guys, it starts with John and Twistle, you know, and, and guys like Paul McCartney and, and Gene Simmons is, is, of course, influenced many bass players. And, you know, and Roger Waters, you know, from Pink Floyd. Pink yeah. Floyd maybe don't fit our format so much, but yeah, still, but he, you know, amazing bass, player. amazing bass player. And, you know, a lot of Pink Floyd's more metal moments came at the hands of, I think, Roger Waters. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, of course, Michael Anthony from Van Halen. You got to count him in. I know your number one is Wolfgang, but, you know, we won't get to that quite yet. You know, Getty Lee. You know, we've been joking around about that all night. You know, our top five picks could be Getty Lee from different he was almost, years. He, like, he and John Entwistle are almost too easy of choices to make. That's kind of why right. I picked that. I wanted to make this a little more interesting. What about Nikki Six? No. For, I mean, well, you know, for, you, I mean, give him song, credit, for give him credit for songwriting yeah. and, you know, being the bass player, writing the, all the songs for the bands, you know, lyric, basically Nikki Six was the machine behind Molly Crew, mm -hmm. you know, basically wrote the songs, brought it to the other guys, the other guys added their, yeah. their spice to it, you know, but Nikki Six to be able, you know, to write those songs, I like Nikki Six as a bass player. Dusty Hill from ZZ Top. I mentioned that earlier. You gotta love Dusty Hill. There's only three guys in that band. Phil Linett, you know, from Thin Lizzy, awesome bass player. Tom Hamilton, you know, those were, that was kind of my list of, like, the legendary guys. Mm -hmm. The guys that, you know, made the bass. Right. You know, and then there's the list of the guys that took the bass and made it something. And I'm talking about guys like, you know, we talked about Frank Bellow earlier. It was a great pick of yours. Um, Peter Steele. You know, D.D. Verney, seeing the guy live. I agree, Cliff Burton, 100% in that. You know, I'm not a big fan of Red Hot Chili Peppers or Primus, but you can't deny Flea or Les Claypool as being amazing bass players. Billy Gould from Faith No More. Yeah, that's You know, good great one. bass player there, too. Jeff Amon from Pearl Jam and Mother Love Bone. Another awesome bass player. I don't even player. have to do an also ran list. I just have to li listen to you. Yeah, just listen, just kick back for a minute because <laughs> I'm covering it. And if I forget anything, you know, Rex Brown from Pantera, Dave Ellison, Megadeth. And now Tom, a list of all hard rock bass Tom, players. Tom Araya from Slayer. You know, it, it, the list goes on and on. But here's my like my favorites. Okay. You know, those those are the givens. You all know, right. those are all guys that are just givens because they're all great bass players in their own run. But my personal, you know, my personal favorites... Pete Wentz. I'm going to go with uh, Blackie Lawless from Wasp. Uh, you know, uh, Cordell Crockett from Ugly Kid Joe. You listen to some of that Ugly Kid Joe, the bass playing is very prominent in that stuff, you know, and, and the guitar playing is really good, and I love Ugly Kid Joe, but the bass playing is really prominent in that stuff, and that's Cordell Crockett. Yeah, you mentioned him earlier, and I'm going to mention him too, Chips Enough. <laughs> You know, hey, you know, he's chips enough, but great. You know, he's a great bass player. You know, wrote a lot of those songs. You know, if you're not enough enough fan, maybe you should check it out because they don't get a lot of credit. In my opinion, probably one of the most underrated bands of all time. 
Um, He's you know, great, I'm, great player between bong reps. Right. You know, yeah, I can, I, I can tell the story about the, the joint shared between myself and Chips enough one time, but we'll save that for another show. We'll save that for the top five, you know, joints shared with rock stars countdown. <laughs> <laughs> but Chips enough, I love that guy. Um, Todd Chase from Tough. You know, mm-hmm. Tough is a band I really dig. You know, it was my personal favorites. That uh, that first album with Tough, the bass was real prominent on that too. If you get a chance, check that out. Of course, Ace Frehley from Kiss. You know, isn't really known as a bass player, but hey, he played all the bass on his solo album. What a great album! He that played was, on quite uh, a few Kiss tracks too. Yeah, that too. You know, so don't count <laughs> on Ace Frehley. You know, hey, it's me, Aaron Camaro. You know, I'm going to mention Ace Frehley somewhere. We're going to end up doing like <laughs> we're going to do like top five. Yes. You know, drum techs, and Aaron will find yes. a way to work Ace Frehley into the show. You know, one I read the Ace Frehley book one time. Yeah. He set up the drums for the uh, drummer for uh, Jimi Hendrix. So there, there you go. go. Number one. Right there. <laughs> he on found a list. way to do it. We ruined it already. <laughs> so let's go ahead and get, you got any, did I leave anybody out, Chris? Well, hell, you just named everybody. So, did, I, but, did I leave anybody out? Well, you, you left out some influential names like Pete Wentz from Fall Out Boy and Mike Dirt from Green Day. and Yeah, uh, real, they really Some real, real innovative bass player. Who would say what? Who? Darcy from Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, you know, yeah. hey, if you want to go that way, you know, I could say you want to talk about females. Uh, the my, you ever heard of the band called Mindless Self Indulgence? Yes, they're not a metal band. Yeah, but they're a great but band. they've got they're a great band. You know, and the yeah. guitar player is like a metal player, mm-hmm. but their bass player is this super hot chick mm-hmm. that really wails on the bass. I, I can't think of her name at the moment, but uh, Mindless Self Indulgence. Uh, you know, Mark's on the case over there. He's going to feed me the name in a minute, but. Uh, you know, and and the chick from Cold Chamber even was a really good yeah, bass she was, player. That's a, isn't that the what, chick that was married to the drummer from Seven Dust, I think? I don't know about all that. I know she was, yeah, I seen her live Lindsay. one night and she laid it out on bass really good. And, and the girl Lindsay. from Smash Pumpkins, too. Yeah, Lindsay. That's her name, Lindsay. And also, um, there was a hot chick that played bass in Hole. I can't remember. Uh, uh, Melissa Oftermark. Yes, Melissa yeah. Oftermark. She's got some good solo stuff, too. I don't know that she's a great bass player. I just like looking at her. Well, she is actually a pretty good musician and yeah. a good songwriter and has some good solo stuff. I'd recommend some of that. I'll check that out. Uh, I can think of a song off my head called Lightning Is My Girl. Oh, okay. That she's done solo. That is a pretty rocking tune. All right. Well, now I know that most of our listeners are probably like, just fucking say your number yeah, one. Yeah, what's so number one already? Listen to huh? my other podcast. All right. Who's going to go do their number ones first? I'll go ahead. You go ahead and go first. Number one. I'll go ahead. When I when I looked at this list, you know, and it's so hard to knock it down to five, as you can tell, I just listed off 150 bass players that I love and respect. But when it comes down to number one for me, you know, a lot of people would expect me to pick Gene Simmons, but I'm not. Because as much as I, you know, admire Gene Simmons and as much as I love Kiss... The number one bass player for me of all time, no doubt about it, hands down, no question, it's Geezer Butler from Black Sabbath. No doubt about it. I mean, look at NIB. Look at all those great tunes, you know. It's Geezer Butler, number one, no doubt about it. Best hard rock metal bassist of all time, it's Geezer. You can't argue. Oh, I can argue. You pick Geezer? No, I don't. Why not? I, I like Geezer and I like Geezer's Sabbath. Geezer's number one. 
But so uh, Geezer didn't even make your top five? No. Wow. Wow. I was too busy picking the guy from the Queen that he wants. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm serious. You know, I mean, we talk about hard rock, we talk about heavy metal. Black Sabbath, to me, you know, as big as a Kiss fan as I am, is got to be the greatest band of all time. You know, and Geezer Butler had so much to do with that because of all the great songs. And you think about it, you know, Tony Iommi, such a great guitar player. And, you know, the drums are so amazing. And Ozzy's singing lead, you know, and it's such a great band, but it's the bass that really ties it all together. You know, as great as Black Sabbath is, I got to think if Geezer Butler was not the bass player, you know, and it's there's been different incarnations over the years, but everybody's got to have Geezer in the band, you know, mm-hmm. and I I just can't think of anybody in my list of favorite bass players that's better than Geezer Butler. Well, he's done some iconic stuff. I mean, Absolutely, some I mean, amazingly when, like lines. I said, I, I broke it down to three. You know, my personal favorites, the guys that you know made the bass guitar mm. and also the guys that made the bass guitar their own yeah. and geezer butler fits in all three categories number one top of the list well and you look at some of the stuff he did i mean it is as played out as the, the iron man song is it's amazing that part where it breaks down and he starts doing that really quick bass line right before it really starts kicking in amazing yeah exactly you know influence how many you talk about influence you know how many guys has he influenced oh and everybody else that he hasn't influenced you know they they missed out on something oh he no he's very responsible for a lot of stuff and then one thing that he i don't think he got enough credit for was when he came back to uh, help out Ozzy in 95 and did yes. all the bass parts for the Osmosis album. Yes. Which, in my opinion, is one of the best Ozzy solo records that there is. And, I agree. And in part due to his bass playing on that show, that record. Because that you it brought back that spirit of the uh, the old stuff. Now, you, you're not going to have it without Tony. Right. And while we're on the subject, Tony Yomi, please get well. Because, you know, he yeah. we recently found out that he had cancer. And uh, he's fighting that. Hopefully, they got to it early enough. But uh, well, and that's yeah. like I said earlier: just fashion the guy a couple of lymph nodes made out of wood and, and implant him; he'll be fine. Yeah. It's Tony Iommi we're talking he's about. A tough guy. The guy chopped off two of his fingertips and ended up being one of the greatest guitar players of all right. time. Just give him some wooden lymph lymph nodes; he'll be fine. Right. No problem. Geezer Butler. That, that that's a good pick. All right, my number one is actually his name's come up a couple of times. And uh, <laughs> I pulled up the wrong Wikipedia page for him because he's got because he shares a uh, a very famous name. Mm. And uh, part of my college experience, Kiss was sort of my my junior high and high school band, and they'll always be my band because, as you know, we talk about Kiss constantly. They're but, all our band. But my band for college in the days of kicking back, smoking dope, and tripping acid and all that good stuff was Led Zeppelin. And Led Zeppelin has provided so many great hours and hours of memories of just basically doing jack shit and having a great time doing it. And a lot of the time, a lot of that at that time, I did, you know, back then at that point, all I thought about was, oh, you know, great lyrics and great drumming because the Bonham's drumming was forefront, yeah. and then of course Jimmy Page's guitar solo. Yeah, awesome guitar. But John Paul Jones. A he's lot, the glue. He's the glue that holds out all that together. But he's so much more than that. Yeah, but he he's just. It's like if next time you hear a Zeppelin song on the radio, forget about 
Bonham's drumming and Plant's vocals and Jimmy Page's guitar. Actually focus in on what you're hearing the bass do. Because what you're hearing in that is the framework of the song, right. you know, and that's the thing we, we emphasize about these bass players is that, you know, if you think about it like a car or a house, you know, it's the framework of the of the song, you know, of the, of the structure that makes the song strong. So if it's a good song, you can credit a lot of that to the bass player right. for for laying down the structure of it. And you think about how those songs, those Zeppelin songs, were laid out structurally. Yeah. You know, the way they twist and move and change. There's always movement. Yeah. None of and their that's songs that's ever all. It's because of that's him. all John Paul Jones. And you want to talk about influence? This is yeah. the granddaddy of all of them. Because, you know, just on the listing of who's been influenced by John Paul Jones, John Deacon, Getty Lee, Steve Harris, Gene Simmons, yeah. Chris Novoselic. But, yeah, um, he had to mention him somewhere. Yeah. And, In passing. And, like, the prime example I want you to hear is on... Bobby Doll? No. I'm talking about, <laughs> for John Paul Jones' bass work, is Ramble On. Which yes. is a laid-back tune, but listen to the bass. That the bass is responsible for that song being great. Oh yeah, great. absolutely. And I'll play a little bit on the show for that. But just the little accents and stuff he's doing in the song. The Zeppelin songs always had movement going on inside of them, and he was the reason for that. And the guy's still doing it today. Yeah, that's the thing I was going to mention. You know, if you get a chance to pick up the CD or you know download or whatever you kids are doing nowadays of them crooked uh, vultures, vultures. Mm -hmm. it's an amazing CD. You know, and Queens of the Stone Age personally for me is one of my favorite bands. Yeah. You know, and for you know, uh, for John Paul Jones to get together with Dave Grohl and uh, and Hami from uh, Queens of the Stone Age. It's it's killer, you know, yeah. amazing album. And the amazing. guy, the guy's just so musical. It's not, I mean, it's not limited to bass. I mean, he's done. No, nope. I mean, the guy plays. According to what I'm reading here, I mean, he Kodo, lap steel, auto harp, violin, ukulele, sitar, cello, continuum, and he did all the recorder parts that you hear on uh, Stairway to Heaven. Well, and that's that's, him. that's part of the thing about when you talk about like how a bass player like you know really holds the song. He's the skeleton. He's the frame of the song. And we were talking earlier about, you know, the um, influence of like the Motown era and, you know, James Jamerson and that that swing type of sound. And yeah. that's what actually got John Paul Jones going. And I'll read a little bit, a quick quote here from an interview that he did with Global Bass Magazine. And he uh, says, yeah, we were, he's talking about him and Bonham, how they were both a big, both big funk and soul junkies. Yeah. And he says, yes, we were both mo huge Motown and Stax fans and general soul music fans, James Brown fans, which is one of the reasons why I've always said that Zeppelin was one of the few bands to swing. We actually had a groove in those days. People used to come to our shows and dance, which was great to see all the women dancing. It was really brilliant. You don't necessarily see that at a Black Sabbath show or whatever. True. So we were different in that way. We were a groovy band. We used all our black pop music influences as a key to the rock that went over the top. And that, I mean, that's Led Zeppelin in a nutshell. Absolutely. And when you think about that, you know, in a band, in the, in the core of a band, a bass player and a drummer are very tight-knit. You know, they're, they're the... Uh, you know the core of the song right. you know the singers adding you know the lyrics and the in the vocals and everything and the guitar players sprinkling little pieces of magic all through the song mm -hmm. but when you talk about the core of the song itself it's all about the bass and the drums you know that's the structure the frame the thing that makes it strong right and you know of course these guys are going to be in the funk 
you know, and they're going to be in the Motown. Because back then, there was no, you know, screaming Scream lead guitar, guitar yeah. solos or massive riffs or nothing. It was yeah. all drums, bass, and, then vocal. and vocals, yeah. you know. And the guitar players were just adding just a little ting ding yeah. ting ding It's weird how there. from the 60s to the 70s that switched. But it's, but it's still the same framework. Right. You know, that's and, and that's 70s, the strength of the, the rhythm section, the drums and the bass. That's an interesting point you make because... You almost go from the from the '60s era with the Motown and Stax record stuff, where the guitar was more of a side project or was more of a background thing, and the the rhythm section was up front with the vocals. Right. Then you get into the '70s and you actually have the lead guitars come in, but you still got a lot of good bass playing and stuff at the same time. It was almost like the sweet spot for music. Right. You know, it just kind of took what they were doing and added more and to it. And then you go to the '80s, and then we swing the other way to the other end where it's lead guitars just going nuts yeah going apeshit so it's an interesting evolution there and you know and it is all about lead vocalists and lead guitars right because you know and you got to think about the 80s the 80s was more of like a flash era you know right that's why bands like poison and warrant and cinderella all made it so big because of the 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 flashiness of it yeah you know and when you're talking about the flash well, you're not talking about the drums and the bass. No. You know, you're talking about the lead vocals and the lead guitar because they're adding all the pizzazz, you know, all the, the flashiness to right. it. But, you know, you cannot have a great song without great drums and great bass. And so we so I think we both have very I think we both have very good number one picks because you've got Absolutely you've got two great rhythm sections there. Absolutely. You've, you've got John Paul Jones and John Bonham and then you've got Geezer Butler and Bill Ward. Yeah, I mean that's a, so it all goes back to the rhythm section. In it's general. a team effort, baby. Right. So just like the Decibel Geek podcast. And on that note, I think we'll go ahead and, and end it there. So um, make sure you visit us on www.dbgeekshow.blogspot.com. Like us. Like us on Facebook. Facebook.com/slash like Decibel Geek. Like us. Like us. Follow us at Twitter at Decibel Geek Pod. And if you really like us, leave us some sweet comments. So do us comments, give us iTunes ratings, comments, all that good stuff. Give us a review, anything that you want. we got some exciting stuff coming up soon for you. Really we, exciting stuff. Some... I mean, I want to tell you about it now. I really do. But we're going to save it. Oh, man. Can I tell them? Not yet. I want to tell no, them. We'll spring it on. It's amazing. It's a great interview, and I'll just say that it's Kiss-related. Very Kiss-related. And it's going to be some stuff that Kiss fans have never known about before. Some really sweet inside stuff. Yeah, some good inside stuff. And it also has led to um, some possible great interviews going down the line. So 2012, is personal life-wise, as much as it sucked for me so far, i got to admit, the Decibel Geek Podcast is actually doing great. So, and we're having fun doing so it. So, yeah, we're having a good time, and uh, things are going to get better and better, and uh, we appreciate you listening. That's why we do this, because we love entertaining you guys. So, for Aaron Camaro, any last words? I love you, Debbie, and I'll miss you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.